Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. By way of review, for those that might be joining us, you haven't been here for this series. This series is a little different than my normal Wednesday night Bible studies. This series is a little more practical instruction, and it's what I might call a more seminar style, where it's teaching kind of a family seminar where we've been. The, this is the sixth lesson in this series. Um, we've looked, and what we're looking at is different ages and stages of life, and giving some practical wisdom and then some biblical wisdom. What does the Bible teach about that age or stage of life? And the Bible has everything that we need as it pertains to life and godliness. Whatever role God has given you in life, God's Word has the answers and the principles that can and should guide you to fulfill that role in ways that will be blessed and pleasing to God. And this service came out of a, uh, a video service that my wife and I did early on during COVID. During the shutdown, we did a one-hour service where we covered all these ages and stages of life and really quick. And the response from that, a lot of people said that was helpful. I really enjoyed it. So I decided when we came back together, we would do this over the course of about nine, 10 weeks. Instead of one hour, we would really kind of expand on it on each age and stage. So we started with toddlers and infants, and we looked at biblical principles. Um, if, if you have toddlers and infants, now we weren't preaching to them, they're over in the nursery, but for those of us that have them in our homes. And then we looked at, we, look, we looked at, uh, I think maybe newborns, then toddlers and infants, and then elementary age children. Then we spent two weeks on teenagers and uh, two weeks on teens. And the last time we were together, we looked at that age of the college age, maybe that 18 to 24. Tonight, we're going to look at single adults. And uh, this would be single adults really of any age. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about singleness and understanding some scriptural principles. And the way that the format of this series has been is generally whatever that age or stage is, I've given one or two or three kind of key words to focus on. Things that I think are, are maybe some of the most important priorities or words for that age or stage. And then we've expanded on that with some other thoughts. If you missed any of those messages and you want to go back to listen to another age or stage, all of those should be on our website, on our podcast, on our Facebook page, all the different places where our services are archived. And you can go back and find those. But I, I do, so we'll be here. I do want to make mention, this will be the last family talk for about a month. Starting next Wednesday night, Pastor Sammy is going to be bringing a four-week series on prayer. And I hope you'll plan to be here. I've often said, I believe prayer is the most underutilized weapon in the Christian arsenal. I don't know about you, but I don't pray enough. I need to pray more. And, and prayer is powerful, and we say we believe that, but then, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, I think it's because prayer probably is one of the things that takes the most faith. Now, it takes, we, we should do everything in faith, but, but I can see, I can read the Bible, and I kind of see results right away. I can see the words on the page. I, I write notes. I do that. Prayer, I'm praying to somebody that I cannot see, and I don't know what the answer is going to be. I don't know how it's going to go. And so prayer can be a difficult thing in the Christian life. And Pastor Sammy, uh, he has challenged me in my own prayer life. And I know that he prays much throughout, throughout uh, every week. I'm not saying he's the perfect prayer warrior. He'll tell you probably what he's preaching. He needs to grow in his prayer life as well. 
But I believe the Lord will use it as he preaches over the next four Wednesday nights. And then when that's done, we'll jump back into this Family Talk series. We're going to take a four-week break for a series on prayer as we move into 2021. And so I hope you'll plan to be here next Wednesday. And we probably, after tonight, have another four messages or so in the Family Talk series. After that, we're going to move into an in-depth study on Bible doctrines, understanding what we believe and why. What does the Bible teach about the, the, the core doctrines of our faith? And I hope that'll be a help to you as well, and we'll be there for a while. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians 7. And... Uh, and there's a lot of interesting material in this chapter that some of it flies in the face of, of some of our conventional and societal wisdom. And this chapter is not the only part of the Bible that addresses singleness, but probably of, it's probably the one chapter of the Bible that has the most to say about singleness and understanding um, some biblical principles about singleness. We're going to look at a good bit of this chapter. I'm going to read a good number of the verses to start with, and then I'm going to give you three key words um, for, for singleness, and again, of any age, wherever that, that is, if you find yourself in life without a spouse, some thoughts that I think and hope will be a, a help to us from Scripture, understanding that. And for those that are not single, you are married, understanding a biblical mindset, because I think even Christians sometimes, we have some wrong mentalities and mindsets toward singleness, and we'll see that tonight. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. Paul writing here to the church at Corinth. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's talking about the physical aspect of physical relationship. It doesn't mean you can't shake hands, a man and a woman, but it, you, you see it because in the next verse he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, fornication being sex outside of marriage, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Speaking here, Paul speaking very candidly to the church, that there should be a strong physical relationship. Why? The Bible says in verse 4, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. It's a 100-0 proposition from both sides. I give everything to my marriage, and my wife gives everything to her marriage, and that's where we have a happy marriage. He says here, it's not about, marriage is not about you being served by your wife, even physically or vice versa. It's about you seeking to serve and, and to give of yourself to your spouse. And he says in verse 5, defraud ye not one another, speaking of withholding the physical aspect of marriage, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And, and, and this isn't my message, but just for context, Paul's saying here, sometimes we'll fast from food. He says a, a, a family, a marriage may choose to fast from the physical aspect of marriage for a time of fasting and prayer. But then notice what he says, then come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. Notice what he says in verse 7. For I would that all men were even as myself. That's an interesting statement. In the context, he's talking about the marriage and singleness. What was Paul? Paul was single. You've heard me say this before. Some theologians, um, they argue that Paul was married. They say one of the Bible proofs that Paul was married is he said he had a thorn in his flesh. And uh, that's, my wife doesn't like that joke, and it sounds like only one of you did too. So, but, uh, but Paul, the, the, I'm just kidding. My wife is not a thorn in my flesh. But Paul says here, I would that all men were even as I myself. Notice what he says. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Some single, some not. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. 
But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Verse 10, and unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. For the sake of time, let's skip down to verse 17. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, whatever God has given you, whatever, whatever, whatever um, family situation you find yourself in, he says here in verse 17, so let him walk. And, I, and so I ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keep, keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Notice this in verse 24. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. Then skip down to verse 27. Art thou bound, interesting terminology, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek, that seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, this is an interesting statement, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. He means I'm trying to keep you from that. When he says, but I spare you, I'm trying to save you from that trouble. It's interesting. I, when I do premarital counseling, I often begin the first session with that verse. And, and I say, here's what Paul has to say about marriage. Such shall have trouble in the flesh. And what I say is, if you're getting married, get ready. You're inviting, and this sounds really bad, but it's what Paul says. You're inviting some trouble into your life. There are problems down the road. And it doesn't mean marriage is bad. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. The Bible says, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Marriage is, is an ordinance of God. God created it. He said to Adam, it's not good that he's alone. I'm going to make, make it help me for him. Marriage is God's institution, and there's nothing wrong with it, but understanding the truth of the matter is, when you get married, you complicate your life. You bring two sinful humans with different backgrounds, upbringings, traditions, all of those things, and, and then you try to make them one. And you end up with some problems. So Paul talking here about singleness and marriage. And, and as I've done for all of the ages and stages of life, I want to give you a few key words that we're going to pull from out of this passage that I think are key and vital to focus on as it relates to understanding biblical principles of singleness. Number one, what's a word? I think that those that, that God uh, has as a single person right now, a few key words. Number one, contentment. And by the way, this is for really everybody, not just singleness, but contentment. Pretty much this entire chapter, talking to the married and the, the separated, he said if you're loose from a wife, if you're, if you're bound to a wife, the married, the single, the separated, what is Paul basically saying in this entire chapter? Wherever you find yourself in life as it relates to your, your family situation, be content. Don't be constantly striving. Now, again, God puts a desire. That doesn't mean if, if, if somebody, is a, a, a lady is single, she can't desire and pray, God, if you would have me to be married, would you bring the right person in my life? It doesn't mean you can't desire that if God gives that desire. It doesn't mean if, if a man is single that he can't desire to be married or have those He talks about that. If, if that's the case, he ought to get married. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those. What is wrong is when we begin to think, well, that relationship is what will complete me and fulfill me. And, and until then, 
then I won't be content or fulfilled. Here's the reality of the human condition. We always think what we don't have is what will finally fulfill us. The message of the gospel is that Jesus has everything you need and is everything you need to be fulfilled in this life. The temptation for any of us, any of us, married, single, separate, whatever the case may be, the danger and temptation for any of us is to look for fulfillment in the thing we don't have. And by the way, that mindset started at creation. God gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. How many trees were there? They had 10 trees, right? God said, hey, use all these. There's 10, is that right? There's 10 trees? Why did I say, I don't know if there's 10 trees, but he told them, is there 10 trees? I don't know why 10 just came to my brain. Maybe there's 10 were bad and two were good. That's the spies. I don't know if there's 10 trees. Maybe that's not true. It's not in my nose. There were trees. How many number of trees were in the Garden of Eden? I know that God gave all of them except one. And he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did Satan do? Where did he attack them? He attacked them on the one thing that God had not given them. He said, you're missing out on something that will make your life better. If you just ate this, you'll be as God's. And, and you're, what was he getting? He was trying to get them to be discontent with where God had placed them and with what God had given them. By the way, his tricks are not any different now. He still wants to make you discontent with where God has placed you and with what God has given you. What is, what, where does adultery come from in a marriage? It is, it is us looking outside of our marriage thinking there's something out there that will fulfill me that I'm not finding in marriage. It is Satan telling us you, 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 you are discontent with what God has given you and with where God has placed you. That's his trick. That's what he wants us to do. He told them not to do that and goes all the way back there. It's a part of our human condition. Ladies that have naturally curly hair. What do they want usually a lot of times? What do they wish they had? Straight hair. Ladies that have stick straight hair. What do they buy? A curling iron. I don't know if people still do this, but back in the old days, they used to go get a perm. They would pay someone to curl their hair. Am I right? I have ladies in my home that have both of those, straighteners and curling irons. They can't decide what they want each day. Okay, today I want that, today I want that. But, but what, what, what is that in our, whatever, and girls that have curly hair, they buy hair straighteners. Interesting. Those that have lighter skin, fair skin, what do we want to do? We often will go out and lay out in the sun. We want to get darker. We want to get tan. We'll pay money to go sit in a cancer machine to give us a tan at the tanning salon. And, you know, I've visited countries where they have darker, naturally, what, what, what people are laying all over Newport Beach trying to get. They have that color skin. And you know what they do? I was in Cambodia. I'll never forget. I took a picture of it. I was in Cambodia and at a, at a salon where you get your hair cut. It's like manicure, pedicure. And I took a picture of it. It said, skin whitening. We go to the tanning bed to make our skin darker. They go to the whitening bed. I don't know what that is, what it looks like, to make their skin lighter. I was in the Philippines. It was 100 degrees outside, tropical weather. Ladies walking around with umbrellas. I asked somebody, why are they walking around with umbrellas? They don't want their skin to get darker. It's funny, whatever you don't have, the tendency is to want something else. If I tell you right now, think about anything in the world except for don't think about an elephant. What are you thinking about now? Probably an elephant. It's just the way our brains work. 
Satan gets us thinking about the thing we don't have. He gets us to focus on that. And often, single people, those that are single, it's if, if I could just get married, then I'd be happy. And again, there's nothing wrong with a desire and praying if it's God's will to bring a spouse in your life. That's not wrong. But what is wrong, again, is, is not being content with what God has given you and where he's placed you and, and, and thinking that's what will fulfill me. And, and single people often think, if I could just get married, then I'd be happy. And what do married people sometimes think? If I could just be single again, then I would be happy. And, and those ch- uh, uh, married couples that don't have children, man, if we could just have kids, then our family would be complete. And married couples with kids, can somebody get these kids out of my hair? I can't wait. Only four more years, you're out of my house. It's part of the human condition. When we're young, if I could just be a little bit older. When we're older, I wish I was a little younger. Wherever we're at, naturally, we think that thing we don't have, it's what's going to complete us. It's what's going to fulfill us. And what was Paul saying? Are you bound to a wife? It's where maybe we get the the term, the old ball and chain. I don't know. Are you bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. What is he saying? He said, I wish those that are single and are widows, I wish you would remain as I am. Be be content where you're at. And and we're going to get to that in a minute why he said that. But if if God brings brings a spouse into your life, be content with that. And by the way, there are single people that are discontent and there are married people that are discontent and there are kids with, uh, families with kids that are discontent and there are families without kids that are discontent. It's none of those things is the guarantee of contentment. It's resting that God, and we'll get to that in another point. I'm getting ahead of myself, but God, you know what I need and you know where I should be. The pattern for us is God wants us to be content with what he's given us and where he's placed us, not constantly looking for the next thing that is gonna finally satisfy us. He wants us to find our satisfaction in him and his will for us. Let me say that again. No matter what you find, your marital status, he wants us to find our satisfaction in him and his will for us. I see number one, not only contentment, but the second word is what will lead us to contentment. And that is number two, faith. Faith. You see verse 24? Verse 24, after we went through this whole list of wherever you're at in life, whatever your station in life is, verse 24, what did he say? Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Wherever you find yourself in life, just rest and trust that God knows what's best with where he's placed you and what he's given you. Abide with God wherever you find yourself called. Wherever it is, abide in him. Trust. If we trust him, when we are content in whatever our station in life is, we are saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you know what is best for my life. You have my best interests at heart. You aren't keeping me from something that that, that would make my life so much better. You're not withholding something good from me. And again, this doesn't mean it's wrong to desire or even pray that God would send a spouse if it is in his will, but it does mean that we should trust his plan if it doesn't go according to ours. Can I say that again? And by the way, that's not just the truth for those in this room that are single. That's for all of us. What it does mean is we should trust his plan even if it doesn't go according to ours. I always wanted to have children and God doesn't bless with children. We should trust his plan even if it doesn't go according to ours. I always thought this would be where I would go or I would live or what I would do. And God, you didn't open those doors. 
We're not, we shouldn't live in regret and, and anger and bitterness. We should trust his plan, even if it doesn't go according to ours. I want to give you a few things under this idea of faith that, that God's word teaches us about singleness. Number one, from this passage, singleness is a gift from God. This is one thing that kind of flies in the face sometimes of what some people's mentalities are. In some ways, we kind of as a society perpetuate the idea that if somebody is single, they're somehow maybe less of a value than somebody that's married. And, and that's, that couldn't be further from the truth in Scripture. In fact, again, the one thing that the one, the one marital status that Paul throws shade on is being married. He said that's the one that's going to have trouble in the flesh. And he even said they're going to be of less heavenly value. We'll get to that in a minute. They're of less eternal value, those that are married. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but we get this idea that somehow, and sometimes even while we're single, we, uh, we can get this idea that, that until I can get that, I'm not really complete. I'm not really, I'm not really a, a, maybe a, a fifth wheel or a spare part or something like that. We have these ideas in society and in our minds, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Singleness is a gift from God. And, and I understand so much in our society is structured around couples. And, and again, it's often just assumed that adults will have a partner and that there's something odd about them if they don't but but that even though that thought seems to be ingrained in much of our culture you can it's not just our culture going back to the Talmud I, I was studying this week the Talmud said it is the man who is not married by age 20 is living in sin that was a a, a thought that was given in religious circles there uh, th these thoughts have been around for centuries, but isn't it interesting how positive Paul and the New Testament is about singleness? In fact, Paul's not the only one. If you want to jot it down, Matthew 19, Jesus said that the gift of singleness is good for those to whom it has been given. It's a good thing. Paul speaks of it as a gift. We must resist the idea that singleness is second best. The Bible doesn't say that. Marriage is good. The Bible does say that. But so is singleness. The Bible also says that. It has been given that gift to some. And somebody might say again, well, what if I, what if I don't think I have the gift of singleness? <laughs> I don't, I'm single, but I don't find it easy being on my own. I long to marry. Does that mean I'm experiencing second best? No, again, when Paul speaks of singleness as a gift, he isn't talking of some ability that some people have to be contentedly single. Rather, he's speaking of the state of being single. As long as you have that, it's a gift from God, just as marriage will be God's gift if you should receive that down the road. We should receive our situation in life, whether it is singleness or marriage, as a gift of God's grace to us. That's the mentality. It doesn't mean, again, that God makes it where some, however long God has you to be single, that's a gift in that season of life. How, if that's a year, if that's a decade, if that's a lifetime. And however long God has you to be married, that is a gift of God. And wherever we find ourselves, we should, we should, we should see that as a gift. Again, uh, I mentioned it, but it's interesting that while we sometimes view singleness as negative, Paul viewed it the opposite, and it was actually marriage that he said was the problem. Now, again, the Bible also says marriage is a gift, and whoso finds a wife finds a good thing. God created marriage, but Scripture is showing us one is not better than the other. And if we had to talk to one another, I would, I would bet you that some of us struggle with that mentality thinking that somehow one is better than the other and whatever we don't have, we kind of wish we did have if we're not careful. That again goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. 
Number two, not only is singleness a gift, number two, singleness has advantages. Advantages. I'll mention this for our final word of the night as I close up here in a few moments. But Paul in this chapter makes it clear that singleness has some distinct advantages. And again, no matter how you want to slice it, no matter how wonderful a marriage is, it complicates our lives. There's no way around that. And some are saying here, if you knew my spouse, you would understand that it really complicates our lives, but we'll save that for another time. But singleness has advantages. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number three, number three, singleness, Paul says it here in other places in scripture, singleness is hard. Singleness is hard. And by the way, sometimes marriage is hard. But the reality is, singleness is hard. When God saw Adam on his own in the Garden of Eden, what did he say? It's not good that man should be alone. Now, it doesn't mean it's bad that man is alone, as we see from Paul here in Jesus' own words in Matthew. But what is he saying? That we were created, all of us were created with a desire for relationship, for community, for, for intimacy. And that doesn't always necessarily just mean on the physical aspect, but just close relationships and friendships and, 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 and significance, people to share our lives with. We were created with that in us. And so because of that, sometimes where a single person wouldn't have someone that is naturally there to just share your life with, it's a, a single person has to be much more intentional about building relationships with family, with friends, with sharing their life, with finding those things in other relationships. And it can be hard. Eve was created um, to meet Adam's need for companionship. And, and they came together in what God intended to be the lifelong relationship of marriage. Again, although the New Testament is positive about singleness, there is no doubt that, that marriage is also a loving gift from God. And, and it can be the chief context where your desire for intimacy is met. And so that can be an extra challenge for those that find themselves single. Single people at times, uh, and we, we see it even from Paul's own words, can, can, because of that, single people at times can be likely to struggle with loneliness and even with sexual temptation. Paul says that in verse number uh, nine, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. If they're struggling with that loneliness, with that sexual temptation, it is better to get married than to, to indulge yourself and in, 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 in get involved in sexual sins outside of marriage. Paul says it. So even here, Paul says there are some challenges to being single. He addresses that. And again, I want to make mention of this, struggling with loneliness or sexual temptations is not, is not exclusive to singleness. There are many married people that struggle with that as well, but at times it can make it a part of, of that, that state of life. And, and those two battles of, of loneliness and, and sexual temptation can be closely related there. The lonelier we are in life, and this can be a married person as well, the lonelier we are in life, the more likely we are to, we are to struggle with temptations for sexual sins. Again, where does he say that? To a married couple, be careful about that relationship be, becoming too strained physically for too long of a period. Why? Because Satan will tempt you. 
And so that's just understanding the reality. Single or married, we can struggle in those ways and in those areas. And so we need to be proactive in seeking help in those areas. And and if if a person is not to be married, whether in the short or long term, they should seek to to satisfy that that God-given need for companionship in other relationships. And and again, that that will mean maybe taking the initiative and in creating close contact with friends, family. And and he said it here in in chapter 6, verse 18, verse 3, verses above chapter 7 we read, he said, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And so we've got to be self-disciplined, whether married or single, in fleeing fornication. And, and, and again, that for all of us, it often helps to have one or two close friends to whom we may be accountable in that area. So three things we see are two thoughts I've given you, two words, one contentment, two faith, trusting that God has your best interest at heart and that he has you right where you're supposed to be. But then three thoughts under that faith to acknowledge from here, singleness is a gift. It has advantages, but the reality is it can be hard in some certain areas that may not be as hard for those that are married. So we need to understand that and then put up some guardrails, some friendships, some accountability in our lives to help us with that. Lastly, I've got five minutes left. Let me, let me give you the last word that I would give you. Number three is the word focus. What do I mean by that? Would you turn to verse 32? Last verses we'll look at. Verse 32, what did Paul say? What's one of the benefits of singleness? Verse 32, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is, basically, I would have it where you didn't have a bunch of, of your, your plate wasn't too full. You were stressed out in life. Notice what he says. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the who, church? To the Lord, how he may what? Please the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 33, and this is a single man speaking, Paul. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Can I tell you, in the last 24 hours, and this can happen to a single person as well, I guess, but, but I spent probably at least two of my last 24 hours worried about a dryer. I, and actually, and then you take the last week, I've probably spent four or five hours of my life. Why? Because my wife is not real happy. She's in nursery right now, so she can't hear this. She's not real happy that our dryer has not been drying our clothes when on a full load. And so Javen came over and helped us try to snake the vent out. We got a bunch of lint out. We plugged it back in. And Pat, it still won't dry the load. So guess what we got to do? Kids were off school on Monday. I stayed home to spend some time with the family. Guess what we got to do for Monday afternoon? I got to go down to Home Depot and buy a new dryer and load it up in my car and take it home. And then we hooked it up yesterday and turned it on. And this morning I get a text from my wife. This, she was all happy. I was, I was the king of the, the castle on Monday night with a new dryer. You know, everything was great. This morning, I was no longer the king of the castle. I get a text. I'm preparing for staff meeting. I'm in the Word. I'm studying. I'm praying. I'm, I'm going through my notes for tonight. I'm spiritual things. I'm going to help God's people. I'm going to help our staff, spiritual leadership. I get a text. I don't know what, you want, what you're going to do about this. This dryer is still not, this brand new dryer is still not drying our clothes. Uh, I'm now I'm sitting at the laundromat doing six loads of laundry because this dumb dryer, we're supposed to be going out of town next week. I got to get this. Now she had a better tone than that. She, it was a text, but that's, I'm interpreting how she was. So guess what I did? I'm on Yelp looking for dryer repairs. I call a handyman. Hey, here's my deal. You need to call a vent guy. Well, my friend Javen, he cleaned the vent out. Well, he must not have done a good enough job. Don't tell Javen I said that. But, but call this guy. So I'm there. I'm lining it up all this time. What's happening there? Why am I doing that? Because if mama ain't happy, 
Ain't nobody happy. So guess what? I wasn't worried about what I was teaching you tonight. I had to keep my wife happy. I had to line up a dryer repairman. I had to go on Yelp and read reviews on dryer vent getter outers. Find out the right guy to call. What's Paul saying there? He says in verse 33, He that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Notice 34, there is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare, a trap upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. What did he say? If you're single, one of the gifts that you have is that your focus can be more, more uh, concentrated on serving God and serving others. And there's great joy in that, in giving your life to make a difference eternally for Christ. And he said, I wish you would stay as I am because all I have to worry about is helping people and preaching the gospel and serving God. Paul said, I'm not distracted with the things of this world. I don't have to worry about, you know, whatever it is. The wife doesn't have to worry about taking care of the husband. And the husband has to worry. The, the, the wife, if they're married, has to worry about that. And her, her attention, her focus is divided and distracted. Again, is Paul saying marriage is bad? No. He's just showing us some of the realities that if you're married, your focus is, not, is distracted. It's not as laser focused on eternal things as what it could be if you're single. Again, the last point I gave you was that there can be some challenges to being single. The answer to that is to throw our lives passionately into serving God and people. That's what Paul said. He made it clear. Single people can devote themselves more fully to God's work. And, and, and we understand a vital part of Christian responsibility of married people is to care for the spouse and children. That takes time, takes money, takes energy that cannot be spent in witnessing to people, helping out at a camp, doing the church finances, leading a Bible study. Single people just simply put have more time to give to those things of service and to the work of God. And, and again, in Scripture, we see some that chose consciously to remain single to devote themselves to Christian work. That was Paul's story. Most single people maybe would say they haven't chosen singleness in that way, yet they have those same advantages. And that's a blessing that we should see, not a curse. And, and again, instead of focusing only on maybe the difficulties of being single, as some might, we should make uh, the most of the advantages of God's gift of singleness for however long we have that in our lives. So the question is, where's your focus? On the person you feel you don't have because you're single? or on all the opportunities for greater service that you do have because you're single. Let me ask that again. If you're single watching tonight or here, where is your focus? Is it on the person you feel you don't have that would make you happy because you're single, or on all of the opportunities for greater service that you do have in the lives that you're touching because you're single? So biblically, what should be the mindset and the focus of single adults, whether in their teens, their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, above. I think these three words, and they're probably not bad words for all of us, no matter what our marital status is. But biblically, what do we see from Paul in 1 Corinthians 7? What are the three words we should focus on? One, contentment. You're, you're bound to a wife. You're, for lack of a better term, you're stuck with her. It's kind of what Paul says here. Bound with a wife, don't seek to be loose. You're loose from a wife, don't seek a wife. 
You're single, be content. You're married, be content. You're a widow, be content. Wherever you're at, that whatever relationship you, it is that you think is what's going to make you happy, Paul says here, you're gonna, the only place to really, there's no human relationship that's going to bring the fulfillment you think it is. That can only come from Christ. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that a, a spouse, if it's God's will, cannot bring great blessing and joy and, and, and benefit to our lives. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is, wherever we find ourselves, God, I'm content with where you've placed me and with what you've given me. Whatever that looks like. And the only way to do that is that second word, faith. Whatever you've been called to, abide therein. Abide therein with God. I trust you with what you've given me and where you've placed me. And then that last word, focus. We're not careful. The focus, like Adam and Eve in the garden, is on the one thing we don't have. Married couples, be careful where your focus is. Does it get too, too much on this earthly and we're not using anything for the eternal? Paul said one of the great benefits of singleness is you can serve God with a focus that you, you, and, and with, with, it, with an energy and a passion and a commitment that you probably won't be able to if and when you get married. doesn't mean you can't serve God when you're married, but you won't have as much because you have to care for those things. And so singleness, singleness is a gift. It has advantages and it can be hard. I hope something that was said tonight would maybe be a, a help or a strength, a reminder, some applicable truths from scripture for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves, but don't, don't buy into, if it's a societal construct or whatever, don't buy into the lie wherever you're at that you're somehow better or worse because of where you find yourself or whatever station. of Well, I'm, I'm divorced, so I'm, I'm not as valuable to the work of God. Don't buy into the lie of any of that. Wherever you find yourself, God knows where you're at. He loves you. He wants to use you and can use you for your glory in great, great ways. Let's rest in him, trust him, and keep our focus where it should be. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.